Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. Life on earth is filled with all kinds of hazards and uh, contradictions and struggles, and some of them we bring on ourselves. Years ago, the state of Texas was being criticized because they had the most lax drunk driving laws in the nation. Apparently in Texas, it was okay to do that. And so they decided to toughen up the laws and a legislator sponsored a bill and other people joined on with it. It went through the state house and it went through the state senate and it went to the governor and the governor signed the bill into law. And then it had a date when the law would start to be effective. And when that tougher drunk driving law came into effect, the first person arrested and prosecuted under the tough driving law was the very state legislator who sponsored the bill. That happens. It happens in life. Hypocrisy is common in our culture. Years ago, there was a a national legislature. I don't remember if he was in the Senate or the House, uh, but he was arguing, arguing, arguing against uh, timbering, cutting down timber in the national forests, which actually help reduce wildfires if it's done right. But he was arguing against it, and he helped defeat the bill that would allow this uh, wood to be harvested and then used. And you're wondering why your timber costs are up. It's his fault. But you know what he did? He, as soon as that bill passed into law, he turned around and sold 600,000 of his own acres and timbered that wood. And he profited the money from it. There's hypocrisy everywhere. Politicians and journalists attack people for doing some of the very same things they do. I don't know how many times I've heard uh, a journalist or attack somebody else for being arrogant and rude, and yet they're being arrogant and rude in their attack. And news outlets, social media networks, and internet search engines are intentionally dividing us. They don't want you to hear a balanced report. They want to keep feeding and feeding and feeding because the more they divide us, the more money they make. And within the church, the biggest problem in the church is that Christians do not act like Christ. That's the biggest problem in the church. Prominent Christian leaders have been exposed for doing the most unchristian types of things. Some of them before their death, some of them after their death. But the exposure came. And within our culture, church people have a reputation. Do you know what the reputation of church people is in our culture? They're judgmental and they're gossips. That's what the world thinks. So what should we do about it? Well, James gives us some instruction in James chapter 1, and we're focusing this morning on doing the word. Doing the word. Not just hearing it, but doing it. There's a difference. And we're really good at focusing on what the word says 
but we're not quite as good at doing what the word says to do. So James chapter 1, if you notice, if you look down in verse number 21, what's the first word? Therefore, or wherefore, depending on your translation. Therefore, what does he say therefore? Ben calls, made me a shirt. It's great. It says, wherefore is the therefore, therefore. I like that. I uh, took it to Michigan to show Benjamin because I knew he'd get a kick out of it. And I meet with preachers up in the valley. Sometimes we all get together for prayer. And I wore that the last day I was there with those guys. And that was, that was fun too. But you have to ask, why is the therefore therefore? What's it there for? Well, it summarizes on the basis of all this stuff. So if you, as I sent out on the one call, if you read through uh, the, the first chapter of James, then you're a little bit familiar with some of the stuff that he wrote in there. And some of you are saying, what in the world is a one call? If you regularly attend our church, we send out messages, uh, sometimes a couple times a month, sometimes every week, uh, depending on my schedule. And we also send out prayer requests. Sometimes it's text message, sometimes it's audio. And if you regularly attend here and want to get into that, you can sign up, just see Megan, and she'll add you to the one call list. And so, therefore, so he's going back and looking at some of the things we looked at. I just made a quick synopsis. Uh, because enduring temptation helps build spiritual strength. And therefore, because temptations come from within, and when you resist that temptation, you are blessed. Because God is willing to give you wisdom if you will seek it and ask him for it. That's another promise in James chapter 1. And because you should be humble. Now, some people are really gifted. Some people just are, are amazingly intelligent and amazingly gifted. And I, I knew a guy that had memorized the entire New Testament. And some of us struggled to memorize three verses in a row. And uh, yet he had memorized the whole thing. Years ago, we had a friend of mine, James, come down here. Didn't he do the book of Hebrews? He went through the whole book of Hebrews in a dramatic reading one Sunday night here. And that was really cool. He was one of the students I had teaching up at International Baptist College and Seminary. And it was really impressive to sit in and, and be part of that. Uh, but we don't all have that capacity. And so if you happen to be one of the gifted ones, either you're athletically superior or academically superior to other people, if you're arrogant about it, you're looking in the wrong direction. You're not supposed to compare yourself to other people. You're supposed to compare yourself to Jesus Christ. And you have lots of room for growth when you compare yourself to Jesus Christ. So because you should be humble, you should be. And because you can and should control your temper. Jesus expressed anger in the New Testament, in the Gospels, but he never lost his temper. There's a difference, and he handled it appropriately. So therefore, because of these teachings that James has already done, he said, now here's something you need to do because of what we've talked about, listen to, and learn. Therefore, lay aside or set aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So therefore, because of this, you need to do the word. So there's 
three things that you need to do in response to the truths we've already learned in James chapter 1. The first one is to lay aside or lay apart or set apart. You lay it aside. Um, there's things, one translation calls it filthiness, another calls it superfluity or overflow or excess of naughtiness or filthiness or wickedness or evil. You set it aside. The picture I have on the screen is somebody out in, the, in nature helping clean up trash. We spent a lot of time in national parks on our trip, and we did some, Kathy even hiked up a volcano with me, and that was fun. And we did lots of places and saw things. And the saddest thing is when you saw a beautiful place with trash that somebody threw there because they didn't take the time to pack it out. You pack it in, you're supposed to pack it out. Everything you bring with you, you take back out with you so that it can be beautiful for the next people to come in. But we can allow things to build up in our lives and we need to lay it aside or lay them aside. Just like carrying out the trash doesn't matter how beautiful your house is, how nicely furnished it is, if you don't clean it up and get rid of the dust and the trash, it's going to be a mess. Have you ever been in the home of somebody who was a, a hoarder? Have you ever? I, I had the opportunity to, not really an opportunity, but the necessity to visit in a home of a person who was a hoarder and you had to weave a pattern to get through all the piles of trash to get to a place where we could even sit and talk and and one time we were visiting in the home of a couple and they had to scrape food off the couch for us to be able to sit down and I happened to be wearing a jacket and I laid it down on the couch so Kathy could sit on that not mess up her dress but yeah lay it aside we allow filthiness to come sometimes get in our hearts and get in our lives. And so laying it aside involves turning away from things. The first category we turn away from are things that are morally prohibited. Things that are morally prohibited. In the Bible, God has a higher standard than our courts do. Our court system says it's just fine if a man who's married to a woman cheats on her with another woman. The court says that's fine. God says that's an abomination. And there's a lot of things the court says are okay that God's word says are not. So those things are morally wrong. You're not supposed to lie or cheat or steal or murder or lust. Just move those things aside Get rid of those. But then there's also things that are coarse or vulgar or just less than honorable. You need to move those things aside. In another passage, it calls it jestings, which are not convenient. Uh, there's a coarseness of humor sometimes that creeps in, and you need to get rid of that. God doesn't think dirty jokes or off-color jokes are funny. Uh, he wants your humor to be truly honorable in the process. So you need to change your actions and your thoughts. And the reason you need to do both, God cares about your thought life as much as he does about your actions because your actions are controlled and directed by your thinking. Now, I know there's times when you can respond without thinking, right? 
you say something, then oops, I should have thought that one, uh, should have thought that through and not said that. Or sometimes your, your body has muscle memory, and so it does things, and you're not really thinking about it. Uh, I have the habit of whenever I'm going north on Pert Avenue, I start to turn left onto Cottonwood to come here to the church because it's one of my favorite places to be. And it's also a place I come to six or seven times a week. And so Kathy and I are in the car and we're heading north to go see some folks. And I get in the left turn lane and she said, where are you going? <laughs> and I have no clue. So we do stuff like that sometimes. But for the most part, our actions are directly controlled by our thoughts. And even the mechanical actions, the ones you're doing by rote or muscle memory, if you think, you can change the action. I could have thought about it and gone the right way without help. Praise the Lord, I got the help I needed. Your imagination has the, your imagination has the capacity to help you get insights and solve problems because you're thinking it through and you're imagining, and that's a blessing, but your imagination also has the potential to lead you astray. You're thinking about other stuff and wrong stuff, and you're not thinking about the right stuff, and you're going the wrong direction. And so it can make you numbs towards spiritual convictions. It can cause you to uh, despair. It can cause you to desire things that would hurt and not help. And so you need to lay those things aside. That's why the scripture says we need to take our imagination and submit it to Christ so that we're following him. Uh, 1 John chapter 2 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. So we need to lay aside, lay apart, set aside, separate ourselves from things and thoughts that are morally prohibited, as well as those that are just coarse or vulgar or less than honorable. Don't Follow the path of our culture. Follow the culture of our Savior. And it changes the way you live. Change your actions. Change your thoughts. Lay aside. So what's the second thing you need to do there? He says, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. And the second thing, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. You need to receive it. God's word teaches the way of salvation. He says that you may be able to save your souls. In the scripture it says you don't get to heaven because you're good looking or charming or intelligent or rich. You get to heaven because you recognize that you're a sinner and you ask the Lord Jesus Christ to save you. He will forgive your sins and he will save you, but only he can do that. You can't do it on your own. So it doesn't matter how much money you have, how many skills you have, you can't get yourself saved. You can't even keep yourself saved. 
God is the one who keeps you saved. And all you can do is submit to, trust, and follow Jesus Christ. And you can be saved. Now, the youngest person that I've ever prayed with when they trusted Christ was five. And the oldest person that I've ever seen trust Christ uh, in my own ministry was 78. But I was reading a book while we were gone, and he was talking about his uh, 93-year-old mom who got saved and how excited he was. And then she got baptized as a testimony of her salvation. And he said her life radically changed. She only lived three more years, but her life radically changed because of Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches you the way of salvation, but it teaches a whole lot more than that, doesn't it? God's word teaches you the path of righteousness to know what things are right and what things are wrong. Years ago, <coughs> excuse me, years ago, a Christian friend, um, <coughs> he was in a difficult marriage. I thankfully have not experienced that, but he was experiencing that. And so he talked to me, he met with me, and he said, God is leading him to leave his wife and marry this other person because he's not in a happy marriage and he thinks he could have a happy marriage with this other person. What do you guys think about that? Why not? Because God says no. God says, honor your vows. And he says, and in fact, I was at that guy's wedding and he said something like, you know, to love and honor and cherish in the good times and the bad times. No marriage is all just good times. Every marriage has some difficult time. Well, except for ours, right? <laughs> if you didn't hear her response, it was kind of a uh, but all marriages have difficulties. Why? Because it's two human beings and two flawed people in one relationship doesn't mean it's going to be great all the time. But you commit to it and you stay with it. And unfortunately, that guy had a pastor who supported him in divorcing his wife and marrying another woman and allowed him to serve a, a leadership in the church in the process of getting his divorce and abandoning his wife. But you see, receiving is more than just hearing. Receiving is taking it down deep inside. It's to react favorably, to welcome, to accept, to respond appropriately to what you hear. The engrafted word is implanted. It's deeply fixed. It's taking it into your heart and life. Psalm 119 says, Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now, do you like the shade that we have out front? All right, those of you who have only been attending the church this year or if this is your first time, whatever, uh, does that shade look like it's fairly new? Right? It, does it look pretty good? It, it does. And uh, But actually, it's... I don't know, 15 years old, something like that. Uh, it's been there for a while. And, and the steel beams that go down, um, when we were building that shade, uh, they told us they were going to put footers in there that were six feet deep. 
And so Jim Rees and I were out here in the courtyard when they were digging those holes, and they had this big thing like, and it, just a giant drill that dug in and pulled all that dirt out and dumped it on the side, and, and they carried it away. And that big thing churned in there, and Jim Rees and I were standing looking at that hole. He said, you think that's six feet deep? I said, one way to find out. So I jumped down in there. I'm a little bit over six feet, and yeah, it was over six feet. I couldn't see out, and he couldn't see the top of my head while I was down in there. And then getting out wasn't quite as easy as getting in, but, <laughs> but I made it. I made it. I'm not always real smart before I take action, but you know, that thing has not moved. We've had some fierce windstorms, and that, that metal doesn't shake. Why not? Because it's rooted. It's anchored. And God's saying, that's what I want you to do with my word. I want you to put it in your heart so that when the temptations come, you have the strength to resist because you put it down deep inside. Now, it doesn't mean memorizing it. It's, it's good to memorize scripture, especially because you can't carry God's word around with you all the time, even if you've got it on your phone, and, and you can't find verses all the time. You need to memorize where they are and what they say so that you can help other people and share a verse sometimes as you're witnessing for Christ. And by the way, we're all supposed to be witnessing for Christ. That's part of taking his word in you and then it overflows and you share it with other people. See, if you're in love, you want to talk about it, right? I mean, when you're in love, I bet when when Brandon and Natasha, uh, when Brandon fell in love with Natasha, I bet he talked about her all the time. He does even now, which is good. But, but he talked about her all the time. Why? Because he wanted everybody to know how fantastic she was. And all of his friends were praying for her sanity. But praise the Lord, it's worked out well. But when you fall in love, you just want people to know. You want to talk about it. You, if there's a restaurant you go to and it's the best meal you've ever had in your life, you talk about it. And so that's how it is with Jesus. When you know him and you love him, it's just natural to talk about it with other people. And I don't mean you got to walk through Walmart and say, if you die today, you're going to hell if you don't know Jesus. I don't recommend that. I don't think that helps anybody come to Christ. But you should talk about the Lord and just let it spill over into your conversations and have it be a natural part of who you are. You take his word in and you let it take root. And then he says, there's the manner in which you take it. He says, receive with what? With meekness. Receive with meekness. Now, I have known people, especially people who seem to be able to memorize scripture phenomenally easily, they've kind of been scornful of other people. And, and they've got the Bible down. Well, you know what? Just because you have it in your head doesn't mean it's ruling in your heart. There's a difference. And so you're supposed to act differently when you learn his word. And with meekness. This is not, hey, I'm the pastor and I get to share this verse and I'm going to let those people have it. No, actually the first part of preparing a sermon is let God whoop you 
in the process of getting you ready to share it with other people. Ask our Awana leaders as they prepare their message, our Sunday school Bible class teachers as they prepare. The first step is let God's word work in your own heart, and then you can share it with other people. And if you don't let it work in your own heart first, you don't have much to share with other people. And so we receive it with meekness, with the understanding that God knows best, always, in all things. And so we submit ourselves to him. Uh, we have a tendency to think we're pretty good at thinking, that we can figure things out, that we can make wise choices based on our own insights. And yet Jeremiah 17.9 says, Your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked that you need to submit your heart to the truth of God's word or your heart will lead you astray. Like this former friend of mine who said God was leading him to do what God's word said was wrong. The Holy Spirit wrote the book. Peter said these, these words were written as holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. That's how we got the Bible. And if this is the Holy Spirit's book, the Holy Spirit's not going to lead contrary to this book. So we need to learn God's word in order to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Meekness means you submit to God, understanding that he truly knows better, and you choose to trust, follow, submit to the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You receive him. And then there's a third thing that he says to do. You lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. You receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls, but be doers of the word. So here's the third thing. You need to do. You need to do it. Now I said in uh, Savannah's concert last night, uh, she broke it up in the middle of the concert and she had a name that tune thing for the kids to try and guess a song. And she started playing a song, and this one song, as soon as she started playing it, kids all over the room called out, what? What was that word? Obedience. All over the place, kids called out, obedience. They recognized the tune. But if I went around and conducted a survey with their parents, do you think their parents would say, they're living it? 100% of the time. Probably not. Probably not. So be doers of the word. It's not enough to have it here. You need to have it here so that it spills over. As uh, Paul said in another place, work out your salvation. Let it work through you. So the places your feet go, the things your hands do, the things your eyes look at, the meditations of your heart, they're submitted to God's word. Now, it sounds brutal, doesn't it? It sounds like this standard is so high, there's no way I can attain. But we just take the next step. You're not going to live perfectly, but you take the next step, step. So look at what he says here in verse 22. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You have the capacity to deceive yourself. There's a great illustration of that in Scripture when uh, Samuel talks to 
King Saul, and Saul said, I have obeyed the word of the Lord. And Samuel said, then why do I hear the bleeding of sheep and the lowing of cow? He was told to destroy them, but they kept them. But he thought he did the right thing, like that guy I talked about, thought he did the right thing. You can't go against scripture and do the right thing. It's impossible. We follow what God's, and we all submit to it, by the way. There are some churches that have this weird concept that you don't question the pastor because he is the man of God. You know, some pastors act like they're the fourth person of the Trinity or something. Uh, they're just, uh, they're elevated above everybody. In fact, a friend of mine was in a church and uh, he's, the pastor had made an announcement and he corrected that announcement because uh, the pastor had said it wrong, and the guest speaker got up and said, don't you ever correct your pastor. You know, if we weren't supposed to hold pastors accountable, then why did Paul give specific instruction to Timothy on the proper way to hold a pastor accountable? Because we're all accountable to the same thing. And, and there's a church that uh, I know of, I've, I've never been there, but a church I know of where... An assistant pastor stole more than $300,000 from the church over the course of a couple of years because no one dared question him because he was a pastor. Well, that doesn't happen in our church. Honestly, it doesn't. I was questioned over 80 cents one time to make sure it was the right expense for the church. And you know what I said? Good for you. That's what you're supposed to do. We're supposed to hold each other accountable. And uh, Megan and I, although we're family, we hold each other accountable in the office. And, and that's what we're supposed to do. So you can deceive yourself and you need to make sure that you don't. Hold yourself accountable to God's word and allow other people to hold yourself accountable to God's word. One of the best things you can do as a parent is let your kids hold you accountable to God's word. And it encourages them that you're each submitting to the Lord. Now, the second thing is you can forget. Look what he says, verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. So you can forget. You look in there, you check yourself out in the mirror, you think, oh man, I gotta fix my hair. And then you turn and walk away and forget all about it. We have the amazing capacity to forget. And that's why in the scriptures, in the Old Testament, they're given all kinds of times to gather together again, to meet, to celebrate, to praise. That's why we keep coming back to church week after week. I heard a story, I don't know if it's true or not, but a guy became pastor of a church and he preached the first Sunday and everybody said, oh, that was great, pastor, that was great. And uh, the next Sunday, uh, he preached the same message. They said, oh, that was good, pastor, that, that was good. You know. And, and then the next Sunday, he preached the same message. And they came up to him afterward and said, pastor, you know, you need to preach a little more. You're just preaching the same thing. He said, listen, when you get that one down, I'll move on. <laughs> See, it's not just hearing it, but living it. 
This is the challenge to us from God's word. We grow and we learn and we can forget. Just like looking in a mirror and then forgetting what was wrong, we can forget. And then he also says that those who do the word are the ones who are blessed. Look at verse 25. He says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Do you want God's blessing in your life? Do what God says. Do you want his blessing? Don't do what he says not to do. And if you balance yourself between doing what he says to do and not doing what he doesn't want you to do, you're going to have the best life you could have. Does it mean he's going to take all your problems away? No. You can still die of cancer even if you're following the Lord. But when you get to heaven, you'll receive greater reward because you are following the Lord. And one of the blessings of following the Lord, when you do it right, and I don't always, and we struggle with it sometimes, but, but when we do it right, we don't have that emotional baggage. You know? When you've done it right, you've made the right decision, then you no longer have this, oh, if I had only. You don't have the regrets. You, don't, you may still have physical, emotional, even financial suffering, but you're not going to have that baggage like some kids do, uh, because they rebelled against their parents when they were young, and uh, on occasion, sometimes their parents died before the kid could straighten it out. And then they carry that baggage that they never showed love to the one who helped bring them into this world. I praise the Lord that my parents live long enough for me to get right with God and go back and, and build a relationship with them, but not everybody has that opportunity. And so you're just blessed emotionally right now if you do what God says. And then you don't have to question yourself. Did I do the right thing? Well, what did God's word say? Did you handle it that way? Yes, you did the right thing. And you don't have to second guess. So uh, then James gives three simple tests to help you measure your faith. These are not exhaustive. There are other tests and other ways of measuring your faith. But he just gives us three to think about. Verse 26, if anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless or vain. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So there's three simple tests that James gives us here in the doing of it. First of all, are you controlling your spirit and your tongue? Are you controlling your spirit and your tongue? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you have to control your heart in order to control your tongue. So are you fussing and yelling all the time? Then you're not doing this. And that's a measure and a way to evaluate whether you're living right, whether you're walking the walk of faith. So the second one is, are you caring for others? He talks about widows and orphans. Are you caring for other people? Caring for those who are facing difficulties? Now, you should be stirred. You, you should care. Years ago, my dad... Uh, was 
telling a story he thought was funny. There was a guy out in the desert. He took a um, automatic BB gun. It, it, BBs aren't that big. They can still do serious damage. A lot of kids have lost eyes from bad BB gun shots. And but this guy had this like machine gun powered BB gun, and it would just feed a whole box of BBs into it, and just shoot them out. Blah, 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 blah. And he went up to a saguaro cactus. And he aimed that thing at the bottom of the saguaro cactus and just started blasting away, which is a federal crime, by the way. Don't mess with saguaro cactus. They're getting enough trouble just from our car exhaust. Don't add to it. Uh, but he's blah, 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 And then the saguaro cactus fell over. But he didn't understand geometry or physics. When you weaken the front side of the saguaro cactus, guess which way it falls? Frontward. And the cactus fell down and killed him. And my dad said, isn't that poetic justice? That is so awesome. And then our daughter Courtney put her arm on my dad's, her hand on my dad's arm and said, but grandpa, what if he wasn't even saved? Well, that changes it a little, doesn't it? See, when, when you're trying to walk with the Lord, and by the way, those of you who actually knew my dad, Jim, he was speechless. I know, shocker, right? But he, was, he didn't know what to do. He just sat there and didn't know what to say. It, it was blown away. It was great to see my dad speechless. <laughs> but I'll tell you, if you begin to look at the world the way Christ does, you won't see that punk out there with his loud music is just an annoyance you'll see him as a person in desperate need of a savior it'll change the way you view the world it'll change the way you view your problems because God sometimes gives you a health problem so that you can go be a witness to doctors and nurses and medical staff you would have never seen if you didn't have that health problem You need to do the word. So James, the simple test to help you measure your faith, are you controlling your spirit and your tongue? Are you caring for others? Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples by your capacity to spout scripture at all times. No, he said, by your love one for another. It's that love and that caringness that gives testimony that we follow Jesus Christ. And then James gives us a third one. He says uh, that you will keep oneself unspotted from the world, seeking to live a righteous life. So some of you young guys who love video games, you need to be careful that the video games you watch are not encouraging violence or lust. Because sometimes in video games, they have people dress very inappropriately. I'm not against video games. I don't use them, but it's a vision thing for me. Uh, but I'm not against them. I'm just against the ones that encourage you to follow a path God doesn't want you to follow. And some of you need to stop watching some of the shows you watch, maybe, or the magazines you look at, or the music that you listen to. If it encourages you to think more like the world and less like the Lord, then it's a hindrance to you. So you need to look at your life. 
Are you loving? Are you caring? Are you separating yourself from the world? Are you submitting to God? Are you controlling your spirit? You need to look at what's going on in your life. So these are not the only ways to measure faith. They're just the ones that James gave us, and they are certainly an accurate way to measure your faith. These three. There's more, but these three. So how are you doing? Are you doing the work? Are you doing the work? Are you laying aside your thoughts and behavior that are sinful and selfish? Are you loving the things of God more than the things of this world? Are you receiving God's word so deep in your heart and soul and thinking deeply about it and using it to guide your life? Are you doing the word? Uh, this month's memory verse is, is perfect. Megan didn't know when we were planning the memory verses. Neither of us knew that on this day, the first day of the new memory verse that I'd be preaching on this, but uh, Psalm 86, one, 11, sorry, Psalm 86, 11, teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Uh, it's in your bulletin. If you uh, see that, that verse is in your bulletin to encourage you to memorize it this week. Are you doing the word? Are your thoughts and actions consistent with what God's word teaches. Well, you know what? Only two people know the answer to that. God and you. Nobody else does. See, you can hide your heart. You can fake it. We live in a culture of fake it. And you can fake it and pretend it and no one will ever know. We have had leaders who were praised, Christian leaders who were praised, who got all kinds of accolades and all kinds of appreciation, and then suddenly this other side of them comes out. God knows your heart. And if, if you're seeking after God, he'll reveal to you what's going on in your heart. So just, just take a moment before we do anything else, before we sing, just take a moment and think about your heart. And maybe there's something you need to adjust, something you need to change, something you need to repent of, some action you need to start doing, or maybe something you need to stop doing. Uh, just take a moment and you talk to God and ask God to show you, as David did, search me and know my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me. Just ask God to do that, okay? Kathy's going to come and play, and you're just going to take a moment to think about what God wants you to do. Now, 
At the end of the service, we uh, don't normally have an invitation for people to come forward, and, uh, but maybe the Lord's really working in your heart and life. And, and maybe you need to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you've never done that, we would love to show you how you can trust Christ. Maybe there's a change you need to make in your life and you want somebody to pray with you, partner with you, some way in which to, to help you. And, and so what I'm going to do right now, I just want those of you who serve on the leadership team here, uh, just stand. Well, Tim's already standing in the back, but, but if you serve on the leadership team, just stand up where you are, okay? Everybody who's on the leadership team. And, and uh, so we got some not able to be here today. But any person who's standing can help you, at least direct you to the right person to meet with so you can get right with God. If there's an issue, thanks, you guys can be seated. And so just know if, if you need to talk to somebody, you want to talk to any of them or me, we'd love to show you how you can get saved and how you can walk with the Lord. And if you're struggling with something, we can pair somebody up to to uh, pray with you or to counsel with you or to meet with you regularly if that would be a bigger help to you. Uh, our goal is together to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because someday we're gonna stand in his presence. Won't it be awesome? Yes, it will. Especially if you've honored him in your life on earth, then it'll be great. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.